Hello, and welcome to Wyverns and Weirdos Fathomless, the D&D podcast set in the world of Fialor. I'm your Dungeon Master Darby, and joining me as always are Eddie, playing Tibble, Mitch, playing Neris, Joe, playing Alton, Jake, playing the Fishman, and Laura, playing Rue and Janice. Let's jump into it. Where we last left off, the crew of the Polaris fought the Kraken. It was a rough fight, but they all survived, if a little beaten and bruised, and actually managed to do a good bit of damage to the beast in the process. So, in the aftermath of the escape, what are folks doing as they venture towards the Iska Isle? Um, well, as he usually does, Neris is beginning to wander the deck of the ship and just sort of make sure everyone is doing their roles as intended, making sure that everyone is sort of healing if they need to heal or restocking different supplies. I think for Chibble, because he was towards the end of it down with the cannons, and I think the last thing that he did after the battle was he'd been calling up to both Rue and Neris and not really getting much of a response. So he'll likely head up towards the deck after a couple of beats just to make sure everything is okay and to make sure that no one has died by Kraken. So Janice is overseeing the crew on his end and he will like call out to um, Fishman Nizen like, Ah, Fishman Nizen! Wonderful job out there! Some strong command! How are you faring after having fought a Kraken? (laughs) It was a... A surprise to make it out the other end. It's good you stayed safe. And you, Fishman, are you doing well? A little charred, but something I can show off for the battle that we just had. It's not every day we, we are sent a kraken to fight, after all. Such a beast also pierces the veil between worlds. It's quite familiar no matter where you go. Nearly everyone has heard of the kraken. Good job again, and you too, Nathan. Do call out if you notice anything that needs fixing. And he clamors down and sort of jumps across. He will regard Tibble as Tibble walks up onto the deck, like which he sort of does while nodding his head and then spreading his wings slightly, which sort of like shake off the rain. And then as he tilts his head, he does like the big sharp tooth grin. Tibble, Captain, good job. Yes, yeah, so Tibble um, starts hobbling towards the current acting captain. Right. Florit, over here. Yes, Bowson. Come with me. We need to be. We need to. Uh, we need to not be right here, right now. Of course. And Janice strides off. So Chibble hobbles forwards towards Neris. He makes it a couple of steps. Chibble, uh, as your doctor can't advise this, what are you doing? Chibble plays dumb a little bit, so pretends not to hear Alton, but his stride quickens a little bit. And he winces and then goes back to the same pace. Yes, if he stores him over there, that is a much more optimal position. Ah, uh, um, <clears throat> Captain. Captain. Wonderful job, lad. Oh, hello, Captains. Been dodging the medical exam, I see. Been meaning to uh, have a look at you two. 
Well, um, we have uh, a very important um, Captain uh, Neris. <clears throat> so the business is too important to look after your own needs first. Is that what you'd say to a crew member in a similar position? Timo, like, looks up at Neris. I am not helping you out of this one. <sighs> I will say, though, Neris, you were included in that as well. So is that Captain business? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. One captain in, all captains in, I think, is entirely fair in this situation. And he flashes a bit of a grimaced grin at Alton. You're awfully good at your job. Do you know that? Uh, thanks. Trying to uh, flatter your way out of treatment. Won't work. I will say, though, I know it's very annoying in these early stages of healing, but you really need to take it easy. Try to limit the walking so things don't get worse in the future. All right. I will stop walking around deck when he gets a full night of sleep. We are not bargaining anything here. No, we are not. And he gestures between himself and Earth. I am. And, um... Alton, I haven't known you for awfully long, but I have known Neris for a while, and I think I might be walking for a bit. And he um, taps Alton on, like, the side of the hip, I guess. (laughs) And he kind of just hobbles off towards the direction of Rue, because he didn't get a response from Rue earlier either, so. Yeah, and Rue's crouched, so they're sheltered from the rain. Okay, well, Tibble slowly hobbles his way over there, taking noticeable more care than before when he was striding. Alan's just like, I am watching. He walks up and he leans a hand on Rue's shoulder. And I guess from an outside, it kind of looks like a moment of comfort. And in a way it is, but a big part of it too, Rue would be able to feel like Tibble is leaning on Rue for support. Oh, Mr. Tibble, how are you faring? Are you are you hurt? Are you injured? I'm fine, lad. That is good. A stable condition will mean you will heal. How do you fare, though? How am I doing? I when I um when I called up to you, you didn't respond. I just wanted to. My apologies. A temporary. No, no, absence. it's you don't have to respond to me if you don't want to. I just want to check. My mind was elsewhere. I do apologize for that. Would you like an apple? And they reach in their pocket and just go, huh? And then just look at him who's just chomping on something. <laughs> mm. We may have to give a rain check. Is that what that's called? Tibble kind of looks up at the rain that's falling down. It's like, I good words for it. Rue, um, I want to show my appreciation in a different way than just words. Oh, do you sing? No, no gods, no. Kara has spoken to me. Oh, yes. We are good friends now. She thinks the same, but um, it was kind of you to just be there with her. You are most welcome. She is a very nice person and a wonderful soul. You are very lucky to have Miss Kara. Being kind to Kara and also listening is the bare minimum. Hey, but... um. I have had difficulties with magic in the past, which has caused discomfort to others, and worse, to someone I cared about very dearly. 
I fear that it, the same continues to happen now. I am not certain what I can do, and there is not a great deal that I am able to do on the ship already. And just before, I went somewhere else. There was nobody else there, but it was very peaceful. He looks quite thoughtful, especially as you're saying all of this, and he kind of hobbles forward a bit until he's standing in front of Rue. Um, do you mind? Of course not. And he takes Rue's mask, doesn't remove it, but like puts his paws either side of Rue's face. And he looks into their eyes for a moment. And it looks like he's searching. There's this bright energy. So probably that close proximity you can see. It's not just light shining out from their eyes, but it's some kind of swirling within. It's a strong presence of something there. Possibility, perhaps, or something the opposite. I find you very fascinating. Perhaps not in the way that people may expect. I'm not necessarily studious, nor am I magically inclined. To me, you feel different. Uh, we're all different in our own way, but since I have met you, you've been nothing but kind. I try to be. Sometimes it's a little bit too easy to make a little joke, but most of the time I try to be very kind. There is so much unkindness in the world after all. So much more than I first believed, having travelled here. Sorry, I am rambling. I'm sorry to have brought you into a world that feels unkind. I promise there are moments where it's not. I want to help you understand what's happening. And I don't know how I will do that, but Rue, and he's still holding Rue's face. If there is one thing that is strong and true about me that isn't my love for Kara, it's that I'm always willing to give something a try. The trying and the wanting is the best part. I would very much like your assistance. I have felt very untethered for some time. The world may perhaps be more unkind in the vastest sense than aboard one small tiny island, but it is also full of so much colour and life, and it is a joy to experience it, or at least to let him venture further beyond the island confines anyway. And they sort of affectionately give a little scratch to Ham's head, which probably sounds a little bit like nails on chalk. Tibble kind of attracts and leans down very gingerly to give Ham a little pet. And Tibble just gives a soft sort of smile and he's like, well, let's find something to tether you both to, shall we? I would like that very much. Perhaps we'll start with some tea. How long have we got before we reach our destination? Probably another day or two, depending on the wind and any interruptions. The Neris will, against his better judgment, retire to his hammock. Okay. You fall asleep quite easily because you have been awake for days. So overnight, Rue, you find yourself in an indistinct space, as if created by magic, and it resembles nothing but raw magic. And within this space, you find yourself surrounded by 51 indistinct figures, each of them radiating with powerful magical energy, though each seems restrained as is pushing against the boundary. Hello? The response is a cacophony of voices that you don't understand. 
there is so much being said that it all overlaps. And- Apologies, it's very loud in here. Is it? this? Who are you, people? Roll me a perception check. What's Ruth's perception? It is minus one. That's an 11, unfortunately. For an 11, I'll give you 51 figures seem to be of various sizes and shapes. They are Mm -hmm. relatively indistinct, but seemingly made of energy. Most appear vaguely humanoid, some more than others, though there are others that are not necessarily humanoid looking. There is a resounding laughter from several of the figures. Oh, you don't have to be rude about it. (laughs) And they still their head and look around. Imagine also for the viewers' benefit, I can't imagine Rue looks like they're armoured form. They'll probably just Mm. be themselves as energy themselves. Then what is the purpose of this? Is this an omen? Something to come or something to pass? Rummy another perception check. Okay, that's a natural one, because I got a good feeling about this. I'm going to burn my one inspiration I have for Rue, which I got from creation of this game, to try again. Much better. That's an 18 with the minus one. So, within the cacophony of voices, you can just about make out two words in common, coming from different sources. The other... Oh, do you have anything to do with the god I spoke to? That beneath the waves. The same cacophony. That is alright. I will keep your company for as long as you wish. And that is when you find yourself awaking within your quarters on the Polaris. <gasps> Strange. And Rue will immediately stretch their long arms out and get the little diary that Tibble gave him and start taking notes as the night wears on. The next morning, is there anything in particular that folks do in the morning? I hope you packed warm clothes because it is a cold, cold day today. The highest the temperature gets on this surprisingly brisk spring morning is at the height of the day, nine degrees Celsius. Ooh. Pretty sure Fishman only wears metal skirt. I think, like, only Nero's is dressed appropriately for this weather, and he's probably complaining about it anywhere. One other person. Uh, considering Mitch probably doesn't want to do it, and Laura hasn't rolled for this set of travel rolls, can I get a d20 for a random encounter? Alrighty. Let's roll Genesis dice. Um, that's an 8. So there is no random encounter. For you could have cracked us again, Laura. <laughs> as we reach the afternoon... You continue to travel. Can I get someone else to roll me a d20 for a potential random encounter? Oh, damn it. That's a four. (laughs) Four. Okay. Again, things seem to pass uneventfully. And going into the evening, one final random encounter roll. That's a 19. A 19. Okay. So, you would note in the water, there is a figure. It is nowhere near as big as a kraken or a dragon turtle. But it does have something about the draconic about it. Roll me a perception check, everyone who would be out on the deck, I'll say. 
Would Fishman like a Nisengit advantage? Because that's uh, the job. <laughs> yes. 27. 27. <laughs> All right. You see this thing, Fishman. I would say you would recognize this thing. It's, it's easy enough to recognize. It is a Hydra. Oh, uh, and which side of the vessel is it on? Uh, it is on port side. So Fishman will yet again ring-a-ding that bell, yell out, Hydra on port side, and then he'll straight away cast Hunter's Mark on it because he can see it. And that should also kind of help him keep an eye on it as well. Hmm. So Janice comes barreling up the stairs, jump leaps out with all his wings spread. Neris would be very quickly making his way out. (laughs) Oh, Captain (laughs) Thing. What's the plan? I just, I just, uh, why? That's, so uh, that's the let's plan. go. <laughs> Fishman will probably yell down at Janice when they come on deck. Have you fought a Hydra before? Any tips? Oh, well, the last Hydra I fought had 57 heads, and, uh, well, I actually talked them out of it, but it depends on how snappy this one's looking. While this spiel is happening, I think Tibble probably would have been enjoying the brisk evening air on deck anyway. Um, can I roll something to see if Tibble has encountered a Hydra before? Yeah. Oh god, it's cold up here. Should have brought a coat. That's an 18. 18. Yeah, you've faced a Hydra before. The best way from your experience and from tales you've heard to defeat a Hydra is to either very quickly lop off all of its heads before they can grow back, or focus not on their heads but elsewhere. Does it look particularly hungry, Fishman? Coming towards the ship? What's, what's exactly going on? Exactly what I wanted to ask is for a 27, can I see its snappiness? It's got a little bib on. <laughs> some knives and forks. This one is particularly serpentine, and it hasn't seemed to have spotted the ship yet. It seems mostly focused on uh, harassing and chomping on local sea life. It seems to not have noticed us yet, but quite snappy and currently preoccupied. Not a good day for a lack of wind. No, absolutely not. Let us give it as much ground as we can. Tibble will wheel over to Neris. Ah, Captain Neris, I have fought Hydras before, and if we are to fight this beast, the heads will grow back. So it's best to either destroy them all at once, or just not really focus on the head there. Thank you very much for your information. I do not intend to have the Polaris take on this creature. However, for your own safety, I wish for you to be below deck. Captain. He doesn't seem happy about it, but he does not argue with it. And he starts to wheel himself below deck. Anything you want me to tell the cannoneers, the the below crew? I believe they would already be on standby from the bell, but if it would make you feel more comfortable, you are more than welcome to go down and double check. I think what Neris means to say is, the captain, I mean, of course, is yes, please do. They need all the support they can get if we need to tangle into combat. Janice stretches out his wings and shakes them a little bit, flashing a grin at Tibble. Tibble gives Janice a small sort of smile and then just looks between Neris and Janice for a moment, nods and wheels himself below deck. And he seems a little bit bewildered, but he does as he is instructed. So, decoy, what's the plan? Uh, Fishman might pipe up here, actually. I believe I can try something. No promises at work. And then you'll go down from the crow's nest to the side of the vessel and see if there's any fish nearby that he could speak with. Yeah, there's a few. And he'll relay four words. Join friends, swim down. Yeah, they swim down. 
with the very intention is to join their friends who are being eaten or bullied. Just after that. So I think Neris and Fishman both tried to talk at the same time. With Fishman starting to talk, Neris does actively stop talking and listen actively. And we'll say, well, that I think would work quite well. Um, we will turn to Polaris. Yes, they don't. I found my for nothing. It might be good to keep them on standby. Things don't seem to keep happening. Well then, alright. Uh, all the rest of the hands on deck then to uh, try and maximise as much movement as we can. It's a bit difficult with such little wind. You perhaps like a gust of wind. That may be beneficial if it is something you can do. He does that immediately. Once the boat's kind of angled correctly, he'll kind of give a salute, get into position, and if Neris gives him the thumbs up, he'll cast gust of wind on the sails to produce some wind in yeah. this terrible day for it. Yeah. Neris will call all hands to brace and then give a thumbs up. And Janice will also bark some orders and then he'll call out specifically for Bones and, of course, Florit and Nizen and anyone else who's in charge of the, like, the, the sails specifically to also assist with that as best as possible. So roll me a d20 and I will work out what the appropriate bonus to that will be. I'll give it a go. The result will be minus two, but... It will be an advantage for the assistance provided by the destruction fish. Okay, so my first roll is a zero. And can I use a portent on the second? As this is some form of check for the Polaris, which I can see. Yes. So what will that total be? 16. 16. You manage to evade the Hydra's attention at least for long enough to get past it. It does notice you towards the tail end, but your speed with the uh, gust of wind is able to keep you going fast enough to evade its ability to catch up. It's quite ironic we're fighting a Hydra running there. We work for the heads of the Hydra, isn't it? Neris will just remark to Fishman. Well done. Good thinking. So, at the end of another day. So, folks who are aware of your course and the like are aware that it's probably going to be about, come morning, uh, four or five hours more of travel before you reach your destination. Uh, is there anything that folks want to do before retiring for another evening? Neris will um, just sort of spend a little bit of time in the evening just kind of wandering the decks. I say wandering, he's marching with purpose always. Like, so he's sort of stopping at certain areas, making sure that everything is in top shape. He is actively looking for a moment when Janice and Fishman are together. If not, he will just find Janice, but he's looking for the two. Fishman is usually on deck and doesn't go until late at night, so I'm sure yeah. there would be a moment if Janice ever came up. I think, because I believe... It is a fair bit of like communicating, especially with like what time the sun goes down, what time the sun goes up, and stuff like that, which will be uh, reliant mainly on Fishman and um, Nizen. And Neris would specifically know that because I, he makes it a business to know things and also duty and routine. So that would probably be the perfect moment that he might want to intercept them if that's what he's looking to do. Uh, what time do we have to record tonight, Fishman? Nizen? All going well? Nothing to report, necessarily. No. Good, good. He's like sort of writing down in like a little book that he's sort of rescued from all the things that were all packed up in boxes. 
How cold is it? Uh, oh, at night? Still chilly? Yeah. yeah I was just like shivering like hell. Yeah. No, only Nizen is because the Fishman oh. has resistance to cold. Well, Nizen and <laughs> Janice then. Yeah. I guess Fishman probably at that prop to probably come down from the crow's nest. Apart from minding your step, as he points down at like a frozen puddle, there's not much to oh, be gosh. mindful of at the moment. Being on the ship for some time, you would probably be aware that Fishman doesn't mind the cold that much. But if it's someone unfamiliar, you would probably be a little bit gobsmacked by the fact that he is still basically wearing nothing except chainmail armor. He just looks Fishman up and goes like, Well, I must say you're handling the cold a lot better than I am. I'd be freezing my tits off if I was in that kind of get-up. You're doing quite well. Tits are, in fact, intact. Good to hear! I've always been resilient to the cold, but Nizen here, and he'll point up to the vibrating <laughs> mass in the crow's nest. Oh, not holding uh, up too well up there, Nizen, are we? <laughs> it is freakishly cold today. Perhaps next time we pull into port, we can find some woolen items as Neris comes out oh. in his gloves, which are a little bit like <laughs> pulled down over the top of the jacket, and he's got this little woolen beanie on uh, as he walks down. Just has like a paw. You were very fashionably dressed up for the weather. I'll have to invest in it, that. And certainly one for poor old Nizen up here. <clears throat> Such is the weather, I guess. Anyway, yes. it is uh, uh, wonderful to uh, bump into the two of you just from pure happenstance. I wanted to check in and see how you were doing. Janice immediately looks to Fishman and up at Nizen. Oh, and apart from the weather, I'm doing well, of course. Just recording the, uh, the reports, that's all. Force has been slow yet steady and uneventful. The latter of the part is what I'm quite enjoying right now. Yes, if only it could say that way. It has certainly picked up a lot, that is for sure, since recent events. The oceans are always moving. What once must have been a safe area could very well now be a dangerous area. There's simply no knowing if we are the first to traverse in quite some time. True. We are, in a way, constant and ever-forging onwards. Explorers of the great vast ocean and the bounties of treasures and dangers that Chognish lays before us. Poetic. Thank Very you. Poetic. I have been looking into getting poetry, but I don't have the brain for it, unfortunately. The talent for it. Well, I do enjoy weaving a good story, after all. And he folds his arms and bangles his stance a bit more. Are you doing well, Captain? Is there further reason for this entirely coincidental meeting? Well, um... I wanted to... We've encountered a lot lately, and especially in the last few days. I know I am an interim captain, but I am captain all the same. And I wanted to take this opportunity to mention to the two of you how grateful I am that you have both stepped up in the Polaris's time of need. The Polaris almost has a mind of its own. The crew have been trained well, and it's no surprise, I'd imagine, that anyone would step up if they see the need. I've done wonders, and you have provided plenty of opportunity and care for the crew. After all, the crew is like a great mass with a beating heart at the center. A good captain can bring the best out of any of his crew, regardless of whether he is permanent or interim. You're correct. A good captain can bring out the best of his crew. But the best of the crew was on display, and I do not believe that was due to my leadership. There is a time and a place for everyone, Neris. I consider myself to be quite wise, whilst I may not know much. I have a lot of experience, as does Janus here, as you've of probably heard. I may make a quick decision based off experience. 
but I don't have the foresight to see whether or not that it is a good action or not. I simply act in the best way I feel how, such as my little show I put on earlier with the fish. Hydras aren't the most intelligent beings, so I thought maybe a simple distraction would work. However, I do understand that back at the tavern on top of the roof, perhaps I did make the best decision, whether it be right or wrong. This is my strength, but also my weakness. Your strength is in your knowledge, your magic. Which is a very good point. I do not know of what the two of you speak there, but the application of knowledge and the application of seizing an opportunity can come to us all. You seem to be quite consistent. Whereas, say for example, myself and Janice, possibly you as well, we might not always be the best choice in all circumstances. And even Nizen here <laughs> steps up when <laughs> I am unable. Yes, except when there's a snow flurry on board, of course. <laughs> What's on your mind, Neris? I um, cannot help but think that I have not earned my place here. You have served aboard the Polaris for a long time. Been second in command for quite some time as well. No, you're right. I am reading into things. Thank you for your kind words. Perhaps we make a good team. Of course. After all, we all care about, about the Polaris very much. It is a safe haven and place of strength for many of us, I'm sure. The Polaris is family. Mm. It's done much for me and I have much to provide it. And all you need to do is ask around. And I'm sure you'll get the answer you're looking for. Thank you both. Try to stay warm tonight. I fear it will only get colder. Yes, I think I may need to retreat down under the hole. I might keep my hat patrols on board reef, uh, unless you ring that bell again, Fishman, since you and your mini-skirt seem to be doing a lot better in the weather than I am. It is not a mini-skirt. I've told you more than once. Yes, I know, but it looks so much like a mini-skirt. It's not a bad thing. It is tailored specifically. It helps with combat and mobility. Of course, yes, designer tailor, yes, you know, of course, definitely. That's what my wife would call it too, yes. A combination of protection and dexterity is essential in combat. Its effectiveness speaks for itself. And the fact that I am not dead yet is probably solely due to this tailored armor that you call a miniskirt. So I would argue that this miniskirt is probably the most essential thing in my possession. Dennis quirks an eyebrow towards Nerys. So you should talk to Tibble about getting that to be the General Polaris uniform, then. Honestly, everyone else aside, I do not think I would work well with it. All right, again, you and your wonderful knitted goods seem to be doing quite well. Perhaps you can keep that, and then, you know, Tibble can organise stuff for the rest of us. I'm sure we'd do very well with Fishman as the wonderful testament and shining example. Bah, I think it would look good on the entire crew, personally. The consistency might do us well. Well, if it means all of us have to be wearing miniskirts, I'm not objecting, I suppose. <clears throat> what a wonderful night, everyone. I will be heading down the board. I will too. Walk with me for a moment, actually. Uh, Fishman, I wish you and your very frozen biceps the best of luck. Thank you very much. He'll climb the ladder up to the crow's nest and yell out, What about <laughs> you, Nizen? I think this would suit you. This miniskirt. <laughs> Perhaps a woolen one, so you're not so cold in the cold weather. As he clasps an arm very pointedly around there and sort of guides him down. Yeah. I still doubt that would be sufficient for the kind conditions. Just hear Fishman go, mini skirt. It's not, it's obvious, it's armor. As we are turning and walking, 
Janice is kind of leading and Neris just very subtly kind of waves a hand in front of his mouth and in a whisper that only Nizam can hear. Don't tell anyone, but if you want, I can knit you a pair of gloves. You just let me know. And just very quickly, I guess, as we walk downstairs, like Janice is like kind of guiding Neris down. And when we get down to the first level, he looks around and then moves his arm off and then puts it down to the side and is like, Neris, I know you don't wish it to be. But from the sounds of it, I think you might need it. Any good leader needs to have someone standing beside them. I personally always understood that to be Captain Tibble. Then let me be that person. We share secrets. I know how to do models of things. If you need someone to lean on and you don't currently feel comfortable talking to Tibble, you can talk to me. I haven't known you for as long, granted. But the offer is there. And then he will just quirk a grin and then he'll continue to walk along the hallway down to where he's staying currently because I don't think that's actually been established. So he's probably now just down with the rest of the crew, I suppose, because he still doesn't have room. If Neris says nothing else, he will continue down into the night. Neris will say nothing else, but he will follow Janice. Not because he wants to, but because that's where he's sleeping as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is awkward. (laughs) Well, good night, Captain. Next morning. Uh, we need that um, glove machine line going. Yeah. Get knitting, Neris. It is going to be quite cold today. The top temperature will be a whole four degrees Celsius. Uh, I don't know what everyone's complaining uh, about. It's fine. There's, there's a bit of wind helping you along. So it's going to help you get there still probably in the morning rather than getting into the afternoon. But it's not going to be early, early. You will reach your destination early enough that we only need to roll one encounter for today. It's a three. A three. Okay, no random encounter. The curse is broken. It lifted. All right. So, you reach the Iskath Isles. And this is around the area that you have heard people have been supposedly disappearing from. You're in the open ocean here, but you are probably able to reach a few islands from where you are within the isle, if you wish to, but otherwise you are probably also looking for anything off in the area in general. It's up to you how you want to approach this as a group. So, we have arrived. Is there any particular ideas on how we wish to move forward? Uh, what details do we have on the missing people again? Any, like, patterns in the people who disappeared? How many was it again? So the details you have, as far as linking circumstances, any sort of patterns, basically is how you get to your current location. So they all seem to be disappearing, going between islands or through places that, when triangulated, end up being somewhere around here-ish. Unfortunately, we were not given a lot of information to begin with. However, we have a location and we can work with that. Potentially, if we can track down a starting point for the journey of those who are going missing, we can ask some questions, try and find any patterns, and Neris will indicate to Alton of anything that has been happening, so that we can potentially try and build some form of profile of whatever is happening here. Hopefully not the same that was plaguing upon Akaran. And Rick kind of looks down. I will notice, well, Janice has not been attending meetings. He has turned up to this one. 
but he's generally very quiet and he just goes arms folded. I'll also note, um, just because Tibble was addressed, he uh, pretty much all morning has been a lot more quiet. And in the meeting itself, Tibble seems a bit quiet and a bit reserved. And when Neris finishes speaking, he just kind of nods. I, the lad is right. Um, nothing further I can add. Interesting, whether it's locational based. My bet's on either pirates killing them or one of those weird creatures that seas seem to be full of. And at that moment, you feel the ship shudder, as if something is impacting it from all sides. Those of you with keener perceptions and keener minds would probably note that this is not like one thing, but a great many smaller things. And there doesn't seem to be a sort of bounce back as if they are no longer on the ship. Oh, great. That might be those creatures right now. Now, am I correct that you are currently in the war room? We would be, yes. Yes. Alton and Fishman, you would probably see through the porthole a humanoid figure climbing the side of the ship. And in seeing one of its legs pass upwards, you would note that it is rotten wet and coated in barnacles and sea foliage. Ishman's very familiar with this, isn't he? Uh, he remembers it from a vision mm. from memory. So, what would folks like to do? We have pre-rolled um, initiative, uh, but until someone leaves, we will not be necessarily in initiative. It's quite convenient as well what's happened being that Fishman isn't first in initiative as he has been the past couple of times. I guess as he sees this kind of zombie undead creature that he recognizes from his vision, I'm not sure if you remember, but he would probably kind of loosen up, arms drop, shoulders relax as he seems to go into like a trance-like state, much like how he did after he kind of came into contact with his last vision or when it became a reality. So whilst he's usually at the ready, Right now, he goes quite loose. However, he might quickly come back to his senses, almost shake himself out of it as he's kind of processing, going through his memories, and just turn to the party and say, I believe this is in line with a vision I've had. They are undead. Dead fuckers attacking, dead fuckers attacking. Oh, wait, what? And then he'll cast protection from good and evil on himself. All right, well, um, two arms then, two arms. And Janice, too, was looking quite zoned out in the media, like, just jumps up and scrambles, to, but kind of, like, gets stuck in the chair a little bit. Uh, and then Rue will also scramble to get up and out. Uh, is there a bell ringing? Uh, yeah. We're just going to do this one theatre of the mind, because there are way too many figures to keep track of on the deck here. But the focus is on you guys, the, the big damn heroes of this story. So no need for command actions or anything like that. Neris is going to tap his chest a couple of times and a, and a glow kind of appears around him as he casts mage armor on himself and Neris will look at Janus and just say prepare to repel borders. Of course, Captain. And we go. For Tibble, as things are rushing and moving around him and everyone is scrambling, he sits quietly and watches. Tibble will be the last one out of the room. Alright, so top of initiative is Alton. So you, you come out of the war room and go down the corridor towards the main deck of the ship and you see 
the ship is swarmed already and there are more creatures coming up from either side of the ship. Uh, that was quick. All right, let's take as many of these bastards out as we can. And um, are there ones currently climbing up the sides of the ships that he uh, can see? Yes. Awesome. He's going to try to get in a position where he's got any, if, even if he can have any cover, that's great. I guess he goes to the side to look down at any of the people yeah. crawling up. And I'm going to try to hit them first with a winging shot. Mm, that was a 15. 15 still hit. Um, So roll a strength saving throw, 15 DC, or it'll be knocked prone. And hopefully it'll be knocked back, right back into the water. All right. Uh, that's nine damage. Yeah, you shoot a creature climbing up onto the ship and... I rolled a 10 total on my strength save with it. Uh, they are Excellent. not strong, and so it just goes flying off. We hear a Wilhelm scream as it does, so... All right, I'll take just another regular shot at another one climbing up to the deck. 13. 13 uh, still hits. Uh, so that's 7 damage. Okay, so that shoots that one, and it falls limply off the side of the ship your bonus action shot. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, so that's a dirty 20. If there's any more climbing up the side or if there's just any that are like encroaching on him a bit yeah. too close. Yeah, let's let's say for narrative's sake that there's one that's kind of been up here this whole time and is just kind of getting up close to you as you are taking these shots at ones off the side and it, it's shambling towards you and you take this shot and did Oops. I see 14 damage? Takes the shot. Ah, oh, that was six damage for that one. You shoot it and it just hits it and it just collapses right before I was about to take a swipe at you with its fist. All right, Fishman. So Fishman will kind of come out quite, I want to say, impaired almost as if he's got some kind of headache. But upon seeing what he sees when he exits the war room, again, he'll probably come to his senses. He won't make any attacks this round however he'll position himself somewhere where he can secure the exit he'll run his hand along the deck and kind of shimmer it in front of his face shortly after almost as if these droplets of water that fell from his hand seem to freeze in place and slow down and turn into a glistening white that radiates around so he's using his temper scale and essentially he is emanating frost and then secondly, now that he's done that, he'll take out his quarterstaff and he will run his hand along that, saying some magical words as his staff also begins to glow. And then he'll spin around a couple of times, twirling the staff, getting ready to attack anything that comes up to him. And that is Shillelagh. So next is the turn of the, the swarm of sea spawn. They're each collectively going to... Actually, most of you aren't out yet, so a couple are going to focus fire on Alton and Fishman. The ones that attack Fishman are at disadvantage. Fishman right. just expertly dodging all his attacks. Mini skirt. It's the aerodynamics. It's right! <laughs> Alton, so rather than approaching you, there are a couple that start to shoot these uh, poison quills at you. First one is a 21. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Second is a seven. Uh, third is an 11. So you take, out of all this hail of quills going towards you, you're hiding behind the door and use the door effectively as a shield. And just, it blocks all of them, except for one just manages to get through, like, the porthole on the door and just graze you for one point of poison damage. Uh, all right, next is Neris. Oh, Okay, um, 
Well, Neris is going to... He feels like he's sprinting. It's not quick. He's trying to move very quickly, um, but also, like, as someone with power moves, you know, how they're sort of back straight and everything, but it just, he, like, bends a little bit too far back, so it just looks like he's just going. It's not good looking at all, but he thinks he looks great. Um, and he's going to run down the hallway, and as that door is sort of closed, I think, from Alton, sort of protecting from the quills, Neris is going to sort of, like, run past, almost like he was trying to slow down, but kind of lost his footing a little bit, and open up the door. So what are we looking at on the deck? Chaos. There are so many of these creatures that are humanoids of various shapes and sizes that resemble uh, with decomposition sorts. Uh, but rather than having entirely rotted away, um, they almost seem semi-preserved, almost mummified. The salt content of the water instead being just emaciated and green with coral and barnacles growing off of them. Some of them have seemingly developed additional webbing and claws and uh, other fish-like features, but they are, for all intents and purposes, essentially sea zombies. That's disgusting. Anaris <laughs> um, is going to look, have a moment of conflicted agony almost like he wants to just turn around and run and he does stop in the center of the deck after it moves like maybe 10 feet or so in before coming to a stop and looking at everything he's going to turn around look at the rest of his crew who are all coming out to try and defend this polaris the rest of the the fighting group that are already here and is just going to blink a couple of times where is the highest number of congested creatures any given point on the edge of the ship uh, okay. We're going to find a a 10-foot radius sphere. We're going to focus as many people as we can. As many sea critters. And Neris is going to kind of have this small amount of anger that comes through him as in one hand he raises up a wand and the other hand he's clutching this dried up, twisted vine as he points his wand to this group and quietly to himself, almost like he's just talking to himself. Gets off my ship, and he's going to cast Wither and Bloom at second level. Alright. Um, because they are minions, for this purpose they automatically fail saving throws. So, yeah, all the all the creatures within that sphere just wither away and wither to a kind of wet, sludgy mulch. Um, and some of it is kind of just, like, slothed onto the side of the ship, while more of it still is, uh, just floating, congealed on the surface of the water. Heal my one HP. Yeah. I'm suffering. <laughs> Alton, you feel this surge of necrotic no. energy enter you as... <laughs> no! Essentially, the life force of these creatures are sucked out of them and go into you. Okay, so... Rue. So, Rue is sort of like scrambling, and in this stairs, like sort of slipping a bit on the boards because they don't have a great deal of traction, even in their boots. And they managed to finally make their way out on deck and then just like pause for a moment and just like, oh dear. I, I see like this entire like horde, like the swarm. And then I guess as a free action, Rue will like kind of tap their foot on the ground in like a certain way, which is the way that they used to communicate with him in the earth, but. 
I would say it would be random if Ham hears it because, again, the ship is full of different noises and tremors and there's, there's a lot of tremors going on right yeah. now. So whether Ham understands, come up the stairs and come and help, who knows? But that's Rue's first instinct. And then they kind of like um, skit around and look to the people that are already on to And then the fact that there's like so many um, like crew members that have been taken unawares trying to fend off these undead invaders, I guess. Yeah, so Rue kind of just like out the um the long blade that says has that says some strange words on it, but instead they will as a bonus action. So they unsheath their blade and with their other hand they stretch their hand out towards the center where there's there's a lot of these creatures swarming over some of the deck crew, and like this energy kind of surge, surges from Rue over to there and then sort of manifests into the spectral version of their own arm blade and then immediately positions itself in front like behind like one of the couple of the crew members and will just sweep out at these creatures we're using spiritual weapon uh, so 17 to hit cool that's an eight yeah plus one. yeah so nine points of force damage i think it is yeah with that sweep you slash into that one and even slash through another zombie as the spectral blade makes it swing and this is mirrored as Rue, at the same time, begins to repel back any creatures that are making their way towards them as they're, they're trying to sort of like make their way towards the middle of the ship with their own soul blades. So first hit is a 19, second hit is more than that. Um, so both of those attacks will hit. So first attack is nine points of damage. Mirroring. Second attack is 10 points of slashing damage. So with the first slash, you manage to get cut through two of these creatures and charging forward further second slash slashing through another two hostile invaders will be eliminated stand down it is not safe here for you and then uh roll me a perception check for ham to see if ham picked up on Alrighty, let's see here we go oh that's not good uh no it's no. a nine okay all right ham is too busy going hmm Oh, the kitchen door has propped open. <laughs> and he starts to stubbly move towards there, prodding his nose in to see if he can in- investigate something very interesting. Yeah. All right, next is Janice. Oh, why this happens every single combat? Yeah. <laughs> this is punishment for acting as two characters. So Janice himself, as again, like he kind of got stuck in sort of like the, the frames of the room. He sort of finally manages to maneuver out of the room with a surge of like mildly frustrated energy as, as a quick aside, like oh, perhaps I really should invest in a mini skirt. And finally, just flings himself out into the fray with like full force. And he just like lets out this peel of water. Ha! Ah! I will have a wonderful battle today. Shogness praise. I will meet your challenge with open arms. And he pumps a fist to the sky. And as he does, a long, many-mouthed, eye-covered tentacle rises out of the deep. As the tentacle of the deep is a bonus action. So it's this is this is the waters next on let's say to the right of the ship. And it will immediately batter as many um, creatures as it possibly can away from the edge of the ship. That's only a 10, though, to hit. That actually misses. Yeah, so it tries to, like, grab them, but they manage to, like, move out of the way just in time. And there's a a tremendous splash, almost, like, would rock the ship to some degree. And Janice easily sort of, like, corrects his footing. Lucky shot. Well, right then. And he looks around to him as the people closest to him, which I believe would be Alton and Nerez, and then sort of just, like, barrels further forward, because Janice has a further movement than everyone else. Then he is going to... 
trying to basically move his way so he's just out of the reach out of reach of like um Nerez and Alson and the rest of the crew and sort of like thrown himself into the throng and then uh, with an action anyone that's paying attention to Janus in this you know blur of horrible creaking and like crunching of bones and like creatures attacking and grabbing and pulling and tearing there's a flash of red energy. I, I will actually say because we haven't set out yet, Janus probably isn't wearing his armor currently, so it's more visible. There's sort of like a marking that's on the, the forearm, I guess. It sort of looks at, at once sort of like this sort of seared burn and at once like some kind of like tattoo, but he has a lot of tattoos all over him. This is something different and it flashes with this red energy. And um, at the same time, his eyes flash with that celestial energy and there's this tremendous cracking peel as he casts thunderclap each creature within range which is five feet this creates a burst of thunderous sound so sorry everyone's ears but um every creature within range other than me uh, must succeed on a constitution saving throw so a con 15 save or take five points of thunder damage okay as minions they automatically fail you're probably able to get five foot radius you're easily able to get to a point where like everyone's gonna hear it well, they're just going to crumple yeah. or explode um, is the intention. Yeah. I'm all a bomb. The, uh, all of the zombies in your immediate vicinity where you have found yourself uh, are just going to like... <laughs> you are splattered with like dead sea zombie juices. Uh, <laughs> a wonderful offering! Quick, take your challenge, make your mark. What is your destiny today? And um, they are super dead as well, because I didn't realize that at my level, um, it's 2d6. So it's oh. actually 10 points of damage. I rolled five both times. Okay. Okay. Finally, we have a Tibble. There's a lot of noise and a lot of movement happening around. And Tibble is quiet. And everyone's left the room. And there's just a moment where there's noise around, but there's silence. And Tibble from where he is on top of the war table because that as we've established um it being a larger creatures designed room and ship and all else tibble does actually need to be on the table to be visible at these meetings so he gingerly climbs down and he sits himself in his wheelchair and he looks out towards the deck of the ship and his eyes close and he puts his head in his hands that's all that happens uh alton your go getting the one point of healing from neris feeling this like strange necrotic energy going into him alton just like flails dramatically <laughs> kind of just stumbles backwards can't you not i don't need any healing right now weird healing too Thanks, I guess, but no thank you. And then he'll just quickly assess the battlefield. Is there anyone who seems to be getting swarmed or are there more people crawling up the decks or anything? Uh, there's still more crawling up the uh, the side of the ship onto the deck. No one necessarily seems to be getting swarmed more than mm -hmm. others. Uh, everyone is kind of being swarmed if they yeah. are on the deck, though. All right, so just a regular shot with my pistol. A 12, so that just hits. Yeah. Um, that's 10 points of damage. 10 points of damage. All right. You managed to shoot through like a line of about three. Nice. Um, all, all kind of falling off the side of the ship. He takes a slow breath and then aims for any more that are climbing up the ship or in the waters below. That's a 13. 13. Right. Um, that's 14 points of damage for the next shot. <laughs> yeah. So that 
again, goes through a line of about three of them. Excellent. And then he'll just take another shot into the throng. That's a 25 to hit. Uh, that's just a three. Yeah, you shoot one. Three points of damage. Yeah, falls off the side. All right. Uh, next is the Fishman. So Fishman's going to make two attacks with his Nasto Bonk. So he's going to be aiming for the heads of the swarm in front of him. And with each hit, there is a loud bonk that protrudes the deck, overwhelming the sound of the chaos. First one hits, because that's a dirty 20, which is seven magical damage. All right. Instantly caves the head in of the first one you hit as it crumples to the ground. The second one is six magical damage. However, um, this one is quite different as it takes an additional six damage. So a total of 12 force damage now. All right. And then Fishman will look around to see if Neris is nearby. If he is, which Mitch is nodding to me, so I'm assuming yes, he will turn to him again. You can see there is some strain, some mental battle he's having, and he'll let out a couple of words saying, I think there's more to this. There is another. A leader. And then, yeah, Fishman will look up to the crow's nest as if to signal that's going to be his next move. So, thus far, you have done enough damage to reduce the amount of attacks that they get to do each round. Uh, They still get to do quite a lot of attacks, though. The first one uh, that I'm going to have attack, only one of you will see, or maybe not even see, just hear what it attacks. As as Tibble, you hear a <laughs> on the window as a crack appears in the porthole, and another <laughs> as the window shatters into the war room, and uh, one starts shambling in through the window, contorting itself in a vile, unnatural way, dislocating itself in order to do so through the window and in your direction. Chibu looks up and he doesn't look scared or really surprised. He just looks determined. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to use one more of their attacks to to go through and the one making its way through. As a smaller contingent start to make their way into the war room, there's about three or four in here uh, that manage to squeeze themselves in, um, and one is going to take an unarmed strike at you, Tibble. That is a 17. Does that hit? Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. Uh, for the absolute minimum damage it can do, is a three as one of these creatures slams at you. Neris, we're gonna get a poison quill shooting towards you for a nat 20. So I'm gonna need you to roll me a con save and you will also take nine points of poison damage. Not a fan of that. Um, con is a 19. 19, that is a save. So you take the poison damage, but you do not have any sort of lingering effects. Alton. You're also going to be a uh, attack from them. That's a 23 to hit. Yeah. Uh, so a constitution save again, please. Yeah. You will take Thank one you. poison damage. <laughs> oh, they're going to get me. That's a 24 con save. Uh, that you are unaffected by any lingering effects. Fishman, you're in the fray. You will take an unarmed strike. That actually ends up as a nat one. Thank you. Then Janice in the fray. 
That is a 14. Does that get Janice's unarmored AC? Um, no, yes. so that doesn't hit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice shot. Try again. Yeah. And finally, Rue. It's going to try to bite you, weirdly, Rue. So oh, that geez. is a 17 to hit. Just doesn't hit. Um, it's 18. Okay. That's all the sea spawn. Okay, Neris, it is your go. Did Neris hear any sort of commotion from the war room? Uh, roll me a perception check at disadvantage. Oh my god! I got a 20 and a 19. Oh wow. You heard faintly the sound of shattering glass in that general direction. Damn it. Okay. Oh shit, time to captain. So. I will warn people now that they are in the fray. If you're going further in, you won't take a attacks of opportunity, but if you are trying to leave the main fray, then you will take an attack of opportunity. It will be one attack of opportunity, but it will be at advantage to represent the horde piling onto you as you leave. Uh, Neris looks at Fishman, his mouth open, and it closes as Fishman starts to talk. My thoughts exactly. Janus, Captain Tibble may be in danger. His eyes we need, flash as he turns back. We need information. And... <laughs> Neris is going to run to the edge of the ship. Hmm. Does he take any attacks of opportunity if he gets to the edge of the ship? Uh, no, because there are still some coming up the edge. You're still technically within the fray. Cool. Neris jumps off. That you will take an attack of opportunity for. Okay. Alright. You, uh, 18, I assume hits... He is going to cast shield, okay. yes. As, which will make his AC in 19. Yeah, as the zombies try to attack you as you dive off the ship, you just encase yourself in almost like a torpedo of arcane energy to protect you. Alright. Yeah, technically okay. this is all movement. Yes. And a reaction. Perfect. So, he dives off, he hits the water and he starts to just sink. Having a quick look around underwater, does it look like there is anything that is controlling these creatures? Uh, is there some form of a leader? Roll me a perception check. This one will probably take your action to do it thoroughly. I did just get another 20. Okay, for a total of? 21. Okay, so you don't see a particular creature, but you see disturbances within the seabed that the nature of uh, underwater terrain is... Tracks are going to be fresh because it's going to very quickly get kind of washed and cleaned away by just the the natural movement of the water. And you manage to see there is a just barely perceptible from where you are entrance to some form of underwater cave, probably about 150 to 200 feet away. In that case, Nera's still sinking like a rock. He's going to take that in, look back up to the ship, and disappear into mist as he reappears back onto the deck. And as he reappears, thanks to Misty Step, he's going to just look at the closest creature and just try and pinpoint its mind and just fill it with energy with a mind sliver. They automatically fail saving throw, so roll me the damage. Eight. All right. Really effective use of your turn there. Um, Neris will turn back to Fishman, but we'll talk loudly. There's a cave underneath us, about 200 feet. That's where they're coming from. Uh, next in initiative is Rue. 
Uh, so Rue is sort of trying to fight their way to the center to try and get better to the rest of the crew that are being attacked. So Rue is trying their best to do that. So uh, first thing, of course, we're going to be moving the weapon a little bit further. And, and it's going to then swing out again at the same time that Rue does. Um, so that's a 15 to hit with spiritual weapon. So, um, so seven points of force damage. And Rue is going to again uh, swing out with their arm blade. And we are going to yeah hit again. So that's uh, 14 to hit for the first one. Um, and the other one is 15, so that both of the attacks will hit. So first is D8, so four, uh, so eight points damage for the first swing, and then add forward with the next one, which is uh, six points of slashing damage. The second attack. Quick, if anyone is hurt, come here. I will help. I will assist. I am here to help. They're continuing to fight their way through the um the group. All right, uh, Janice. I think because it's me. So. <laughs> Janice, again, yeah, reversing time a little bit is like, of course. And then um, he is going to turn around and force his way to back towards the war room. Um, so he'll be taking attack of opportunity as he makes his way back there. So I believe he rolled advantage. So that will be to hit you a 16. That does hit. All, All right. right. So you take a whole five points of bludgeoning damage. And Janice kind of jolts even, like, just perceptive, like, slightly as he's kind of, like, pulled out and clawed out by these creatures. And he just turns back around them and bears his teeth. <laughs> turns back <laughs> uh, after, like, roaring in the face and continues to barrel back into the room. And I uh, throws the door open and, like, Captain Tibble, what's going Oh, my God. As he probably sees the creatures breaking into the room as well at the same yeah. time. Yeah, there's probably about five or six at this point with a seventh. <sighs> halfway through contorting itself through the window. Need a hand? Tibble, who has only been attacked by one so far, he looks up at Janice, he has a sort of unreadable expression and then kind of gestures as in, go ahead if you feel like it, as he, from his little mouse chair, has his sword ready. All right, then. And he will uh, flee himself into the combat um, in the way that he always does, um, which is completely reckless with that regard for himself. And he will just basically just throw himself at these creatures. And he will bonus action. This, this cracking of bone and this horrible sort of like shifting as he will shift into his hybrid form. And as he throws himself into this throng, he will do a little bite or two, we shall say. Uh, so 20 and... Um, yeah, both of those attacks will hit. Yeah. So, the first bite is 17 points of damage. Man, okay, and the second bite is 8 points of damage. Alright. Okay. And they're just like, if those creatures have blood, it would be flying everywhere. Yeah, so you take out two of the ones that are in this room with that kind of... This is a combination frenzy. of just like, this frenzy like biting and just clawing them apart. Uh, Tibble, here's your go. So Tibble uses his sword to sort of hoist himself up to stand. I won't describe his expression, but he looks over to the creature that attacked him and he swings his Starseer Cutlass up to attack it. That's 11. That hits precisely. Cool. Perfect. Um, so that's 14 for that first attack. And then he um, attacks again for his second attack, um, and that's 16, so that'll hit 11 points of damage. And he's going to action surge for the sake of flavoring. A trip attack maneuver. 
given the nature of the beast we are fighting. Could that be used to dispel some of them out of the porthole? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, he is going to use a superiority dice as well then to do the trip attack maneuver. Um, Now that isn't an action or bonus action. So he is also going to use commander's strike. (laughs) So he'll attack once the other attack uses commander's strike to tell Janice, I appreciate the help. I can handle it myself. Please help the crew. You can tell by the way that he has asked that this is is something that you have the free will to do or not do. This is important, Tibble, that he does this alone, yeah? Yes. So this monstrous form of Janice versus the monstrous form of the attackers turns back to Tibble. Of course. And he will instead barrel out outside again. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, you'll get like a proper actual attack, but I'll just roll this damage as well. I rolled a 14 on the dice, so I'm assuming it hits. 16 points of damage. Uh, uh, Ironically, Janice doesn't hit, like a total of 10. But so he barrels himself out and just probably by this point, there have been some fallen of these uh, attackers and he probably like skids across like on some of like the group. There is probably one left in there with you. Out on the deck, Janice, you see the tide is kind of turning and there are still a decent amount, but the numbers are definitely dwindling as we get to Alton's go. So Alton just saw Neris jump in the water. Essentially, yeah, as soon as he sees Neris just barrel into the water, Alton just like runs the last few feet to the edge of the ship. <laughs> And it's just there like, oh, fuck, how do I help him? Um, so he'll do that. He'll get to the ship, look in the water, and then just whip around and be like, Neris, what the fuck was that? Why did you do that? Are you okay? Absolutely not. We have information. Okay, okay. A, a cave down there. Um, how are we going to get to that? Take these guys out first? Probably a good idea. Let's focus on them first. See what I can do. And he'll uh, go and uh, take some shots. Um, would anyone, like, be up close and personal with him, or does he have a bit more distance to shoot? There's probably few enough at this point that you wouldn't be surrounded. You would be able to actually get away. Yeah. yeah oh, that's good then. Shot. Nice. All right. Then he'll um, take some shots first. Once a dirty twenty. All right. And that is fourteen points of damage. Shooting through two hits one, and then pierces through and goes and hits another. Both collapsing to the deck. Excellent. Encouraged by this, he takes a moment to line up the perfect shot to get as many as possible. That's a natural 20, so that's 30 to hit. Damage plus max damage. So that's 18 plus 15. How many do I get with that? Do I just do a lot of dominoes? Yeah, you're you're able to line up a shot that manages to go across. If it were a spear, it would be a shish kebab going through about a dozen of these and then he turns to the other side of the ship and does the exact same thing because that's another nat 20 <laughs> check D&D beyond oh my gosh oh my god i thought that was lingering for a bit so that's 20 damage plus 15 so 35 damage basically you, of these two shots you shoot like half a dozen in a line and then half a dozen in another line in basically a right angle triangle formation with you basically at the corner it's all maths, it's all physics. Now, as we move on to Fishman's go. 
So, Fishman is essentially going to bolt to the side of the ship after having dropped his quarterstaff and jump off the side. Uh, which should be easy now that there's nothing in his way. <laughs> Alton was at the other side of the ship. So, yeah, he's just going to do that. Whilst he's jumping, he'll also take out his crossbow if he can. Yeah. Having dropped his quarterstaff, that should be his free action. Yeah. Um, and he is going to jump down exactly where Neris jumped down and see if he can locate yeah. this cave. All right. That... Uh, roll me a perception check. Well, that's a natural 19. Yeah, you see exactly where this cave is. Cool. I cast Spike Growth. The Fishman will put out a hand and essentially cover the cave on the entrance as deep in the cave as it goes. Okay. So you, with your speed, definitely able to get close enough to block off the entrance and there. Yeah. He loads a harpoon into his crossbow. Okay. Um, all right. Last of the sea spawns turns, because you are probably going to deal with these by the time they get another turn. One's going to be the one remaining one in the war room with Tibble. It's going to make an unarmed strike against him. That is a 13 to hit. Does that hit? Nope. It does not hit. Okay. Uh, and the other one is going to... Uh, sorry, Neris. Alas, it was you. You're going to get a poison quill coming in your direction for a 21 to hit. You are hit by a poison quill, dealing three points of poison damage. Do I need a constitution saving yes, throw? That is a seven. So you are poisoned. Okay, back to your turn proper. Uh, the one that shot me? Yeah. I would like to attempt to explode its mind with mind sliver. All right. Uh, automatically fails at save. Uh, I mean, that's enough to... They're, they're minions, like, narratively. <laughs> uh, next is Rue. Uh, so Rue at this point is moving bodies of these creatures out of the way and oh, I'll do a perception check, but like, yeah, they'll do that. That's for 17. So they're locating any of like the other crew members who have been injured or who were stuck or like pinned down or something like that. And they'll be like, don't worry, I'm here to help. And so like they're going to cast like cure brains on like creature that needs help and stuff like that. Creature, crew member, you know, okay. it's fine. We're full of creatures. You're all creatures here. And... Ham is going to steal some food from the kitchen. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. The rat jumps to the ground, seeing Ham going to Thieve and kind of like... <laughs> Stand um, off. Scratches at the ground like, come on, come on. <laughs> Ham sort of hunkers down, mimicking the same movement like a dog does when it wants to fly. <laughs> All right. Uh, Janice's go. Chibble's taking care of himself. What's left to be done? What's going on? Captain? Deal with the invaders. Then we figure out how to plug as a whole. All right, then. And um, he's going to storm to look. So there are still some creatures on the board, aren't there? Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to attack him. I'm going to bite him. So he just kind of, again, just like throws himself onto these attacking creatures. With, like a mouth open, arms extended, ready to basically tackle them and bite them. So that is uh, 13 to hit, so that will hit. So that's uh, 13 points of damage, um, right. biting. And the next one... Not the same, so like uh, 13 hits, so... And that's 9 points of damage on the second bite. Right. And just again, just, just roars out on the ship. Just intimidate the rest of the creatures. Uh, and Tibble, facing down with the one remaining sea zombie in the war room. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to even roll damage? 21 points of damage. Um, and that's enough. That does it. It goes. Yeah. <laughs> it gets shunted out. With that... Yeah, those of you on the deck and Tibble in the war room managed to fend off the last 
dregs of these sea zombies, either pushing them overboard or just slaying them where they are on the deck. And you are free from this siege of undead. And that is where we're going to leave it for this episode. Thank you for listening, everyone. See you next week, everyone. Remember to like and subscribe or share if you enjoyed this episode or even if you didn't. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Bye. Fish zombies. Oh Interesting. Boy. Fish oh. zombies. Fish zombies. I said pirates or a creature, and then you're like, something bangs to the ship, and I'm like, Loren! <laughs> it's just Loren scaling the ship. Pirates and a creature. I make so many jokes about Loren climbing through the porthole of the Polaris just to insult Maris that I was literally like, this. Is this me? Is this me? (laughs) (laughs) Am I drama? Yeah.